Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Gazzetta! Yay! And we've got a, um... It's definitely an episode for you. It's a rough one. It is a rough one. Uh, the beginning is rough. We do try and make as many jokes as possible, and I would like to remind you that we are comedians, and we try and joke through the sadness because emotions make us uncomfortable. Very. So, before we get into it, we have got some news and reviews. Uh, as you undoubtedly know, we have a Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash cultpodcast. For just $5 a month, you gain access to our bonus show, The Speculation Zone. Yeah, and now that we're back on normal schedule, now that a Mrs. Paige Lumberjack is with us. Oh my god. She's so gorgeous. Thank you. Um, now that we're back on regular schedule, we've got some really fun shit coming up for you guys, and I cannot wait. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash cult podcast and find all of the tiers that we have. Like I said, $5 a month gets you access to our show, which a lot of people have said is worth it, and a shout out on the show where you can get us to read pretty much anything within reason um, as long as there's no hate speech or slurs yeah and if you if you if you say anything about this bullshit round earth i swear <laughs> to god anyway it's now round we- <laughs> it's thick earth it can be thick and flat anyway so no, uh no. <laughs> next we've got some five star reviews <laughs> yes this one says the earth is flat and it is from science dot org no no it doesn't uh um, it's gonna be from science from science <laughs> this one comes to us from amy amy lee 411 uh loved hearing Paige explain greek life oh, thank you long time listener first time reviewer during a recent episode Paige explained being in a sorority to the cult podcast gang i too am a former sorority girl hey. and can attest to much of what she said my mom still thinks I was in a cult in college. <laughs> <laughs> but don't listen to my mom. Understandable. Just because we all wear white dresses and burn candles at midnight, it doesn't mean it's a cult. It's at 6 a.m. <laughs> Sometimes people who listen to indie rock and drive a Jetta to college just suddenly have an outlaw country phase where a big truck replaces their car suddenly. And yes... We wore matching t-shirts, had choreographed dances to songs, and had over-the-top ceremonies for dating someone seriously. Lavalierin? Yeah, we so we did it a little differently where our, our big sisters would lavalier us, but I have heard of the dating tradition of lavalierin. We didn't do that very often. I only saw it once or twice. What's lavalierin? We did have candle-passing ceremonies. What's the lavalier? So candle I'll passing explain cere- all of this off. off okay. Candle air. passing ceremonies, by the way, is when you eat a candle and then you have to pass it. And Armando. Shit out a candle. But it the has trick to stay is, lit. Yeah. <laughs> That's the trick. You got to utilize the methane gases that build up in your body. I'm so sorry. If that candle can stay lit, so can you at the party later. Keep it lit candle passing ceremony okay i'm done 420 i don't know one time i shit a candle directly into a candle holder (laughs) (laughs) this was called a toilet anyway but that's only a little culty not full culty p.s can we chat for a second about how jared leto has a cult now love the show keep those cults coming how about you do the speculation zone on kanye's cult i'll do the one on jared leto's cult (laughs) 
I love it. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So without any further ado, uh, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These, These are, are our opinions. opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andre Gazzetta. Yay! Yay! And with us for the first time is Mrs. Paige Lumberjack. Thank you. Yay! Thank you. Yeah. Got a lot of wood and I know how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome back. Thank so much you. has changed. The dynamic is so different. I now. know. I've I've been jacking lumber for two weeks. I know. Is, is also, it... she starts every sentence with "as a married woman." <laughs> I don't think as a married woman, my father, the inventor of toaster strudel. <laughs> Oh, it's good to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And it's good to have the show back. Hey, everyone. Yeah, Yay. we made it. Yeah. It's been a very fun few weeks. And now I'm here to ruin it by uh, continuing our series on the Chicago Rippers. I'm so sorry. If it gets too bad, we can tell fun wedding stories at the end. Yes. <laughs> can we please? Because oh, I think it's going to get can. dark. <laughs> okay. This one's going to get rough. This one is going to be rough. We're talking. Much like his dog wife from the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little rough. I'm so sorry. Oh God. Okay. Oh, it begins. Be, I'm gonna be honest with you. That joke was rough. <laughs> and uh, much like his dog wife, I am dead from laughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. We are definitely 100% entering Ant Hill Kids territory Ooh. with some of the shit that goes on here, um, and some of it I left out of the live show. Because it's hard to stand on a stage and say a bunch of heinous shit into a microphone. So uh, it's easier to do it when you're in your studio apartment with two buddies. <laughs> so previously on Cult Podcast, several women continued to go missing in and around the Chicago area. However... Beverly Washington was the first victim to be found alive, and using her description of Robin Gecht in his van, police were able to track down the Chicago Rippers. Initially, they were unable to charge Robin with anything, and so the leader of the group was set free. However, police from different departments began to build a solid case against Robin and were eventually led to Tommy Coco Relais, who was then brought in for questioning. So... When we left off, this was the guy who was him and his brother were stupid enough to leave a forwarding address at the place where they started doing satanic rituals. Duh, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's, I'm out of them. That's it. <laughs> There's no more D words. <laughs> well, duh, um, at the station. <laughs> That was a stretch. <laughs> 
So, down at the station, it became clear that Tommy Coco Relais had a connection to the murders and that he was clearly trying to lie about his involvement. So, after failing a polygraph examination, which, by the way, as we all kind of know, lie detector tests are fucking bullshit. Deception. Okay, that's <laughs> the last one. But yes, lie detector tests are bullshit. They are. And I don't... I mean, what the fuck do you expect from a department that is literally utilizing detective hypnotists? I know. This is, like, the Maury show as a detective oh, department. Oh, yeah. Of course. There there are a lot of questionable parts of this department, which is actually something that we will get into in a little bit. Uh, so after failing a lie detector test, Tommy began to paint a picture for Area 5 police of just how terribly evil the Chicago Rippers were were he used a lot of black he used all the crayons <laughs> no was, really just red and black <laughs> just painting it was like bob ross if he was like there's no such thing as tiny mistakes just happy little murders <laughs> oh, crappy treats yikes <laughs> so this is unfortunately where things will get dark as shit i'm glad we're doing this at 10 a.m in the morning on a <laughs> yeah, saturday me too i'm just imagining bob ross paintings like these, this is the forest where we hide the bodies. <laughs> Cover that up with some more greenery. Here's a berm full of leaves where we buried somebody. <laughs> also, because it is Saturday morning, happy birthday, Cairo. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. Sorry, this episode that we're taping on your birthday is going to be real rough. Happy birthday, Cairo. The bodies were stashed under five <laughs> pounds of tree. I don't know. <laughs> five pounds of tree? Not wood. Not stump. Not logs, tree. tree. <laughs> I'm that talking weed. <laughs> this Bob Ross impression sucks. <laughs> hey, everybody. Paint the bodies under the trees. I like how we're doing Mr. Rogers painting Bob Ross photos. Yeah. I don't what know what doing. Bob Ross sounds like even. He sounds like an afro. <laughs> Just a little what? crinkly. <laughs> Did so, you know that he stole all his painting techniques from his mentor who also had a public access show and pioneered the techniques that he of like the wet on wet painting process? The most upsetting part about this episode is Andrea's trying to cancel Bob Ross. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, first Drake, then Bob Ross. But did his mentor have a fro? I don't think he did. And probably that's why the to wasn't, his detriment. Yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Probably wasn't as successful. Uh, so Robin Gecht. Eddie Spritzer, Andy Coco Relais, and his brother, Tommy Coco Relais, had been kidnapping women and taking them to various places around the greater Chicago area. Some were brought back to the Briar Rabbit Motel, and some were brought back to the Rip Van Winkle Motel in Villa Park, and some were taken to abandoned industrial plants, but the most unlucky were brought directly to Robin's own home on the northwest side of Chicago. Once the group arrived to their secondary location, the women would be forced to endure some of the most horrific, sexual, and painful torture imaginable. And all of this culminated with the removal of the victim's breasts. After the almost unthinkable abuse was over, these women would be dumped in nearby areas and left to bleed out if they had not been killed already. So while all of this is happening, they were alive. Oof. But they were drugged, right? Sometimes. S not all the time? Not all the time. Oh, my God. I mean, the only, and I'm I'm saying good, but it's not good. 
some of those drugs are probably blood thinners which would make you bleed out faster yeah it is it is really it's terrible to think like hey something they mercifully you might die faster but like that's so terrible yeah yeah it really is but the gruesome ritual was only just the beginning after the murders the four men would convene at robin's home and make their way to the attic Behind the locked door at the top of the stairs was a homemade satanic chapel. The room's walls were painted with six red and black upside-down crosses, and in the center sat an altar covered in a deep red fabric. The men would kneel around this altar where Robin would produce the freshly severed breast. As Robin read passages from the Book of Revelations, his three followers would masturbate over the offering and then join their leader in a prayer to the Dark Lord, Satan. And once the men had finished, Robin would cut off pieces of the breast and have his followers eat it as a dark communion. God, Satan's oh into some weird God. shit. Yeah. Don't look at Satan's internet browser history, by the <laughs> way. I'm sorry. This is horrifying. I it's okay. Be mm. It's The thing is... What is very important to remember, especially as we move forward, is that we're definitely going to make jokes. And it is because as comedians, uh, our way of coping with the horror yeah, is to make jokes. We recorded uh, this is a little peek behind the curtain, and I'm sorry to do this, but we recorded um, the cult of patriotism, the, the Bundy episodes. Uh, the same day that my grandfather passed away. I remember that. Yeah. And I we, also remember because we recorded a, my, uh, an episode of my podcast that day as well. Yeah. At 10 a.m. and you wanted a beer. Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of people, you know, a lot of people were like, hey, do you think this is the best idea? And for me, kind of, yeah, that's how I deal with stuff is by making jokes, making light of stuff. So when we make jokes... Like, don't check Satan's browser history. Right. The reason that we're doing it is because it's our way of making something a little more palatable, I right. guess. Yeah. This might be kind of an off-topic question, but um, this is kind of right around the time of the satanic panic, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Paige, I'm... I don't want to put you on the spot, but I think you know more about the satanic panic than I do. I grew up in the satanic panic era in the <laughs> church. Yes. Yeah, so she did, did I. a cheerleader pose. Which <laughs> it I was, was really, really adorable. It yeah, was, your, it was real crazy. She even has the high ponytail today, so it's I like do. extra perky. So this right now is taking place in 1982. That's early. Mm -hmm. But there's... It's the... Satanic panic is building. This, yeah. This is the early ramp up. Like I said in, I believe it was episode one, Robin Gecht started becoming a Satanist uh, in high school the exact same year that Anton LaVey founded the Church of Satanism. I believe okay. it was the Church of Satanism. So part of the reason I ask is because around the time of the Satanic panic, there's this thing that starts happening where there are false confessions that are elicited such as the West Memphis three that involve all this ridiculous satanic ritual. And part of it is a fabrication 
that is like a way to to kind of increase this panic or a way to justify like the reasoning behind something where people cannot find a reason. It's modern witch trials. Yeah. yeah. It's it is literally the Salem witch trials modern day of like maybe if I say this they'll let me go or let me live or whatever. Yeah. Which is essentially what happens to the West Memphis 3 is they get browbeaten into confessing to things they did not do and largely in service of this greater satanic panic narrative this is before that okay the only reason i think that that's not what's happening here is because they found actual stuff yeah yeah a <laughs> like, lot of and and we'll, we'll get into um a little bit of of like what you're saying yeah with the fact that of like the browbeating and the confessions because yeah. that will come into play in a bit but a lot of what they're talking about they have evidence to support they it. they have yeah physical oh, evidence. oh yeah okay they, they have a they fucking got it and i i am posing this as a speculation zone mini just because i don't have the facts to back this up and i did not consider this angle until right now this may have been one of the cases that kind of was like lighter fluid on the fire of yeah. satanic panic. Yeah. Of just like, because this happened before the West Memphis Three, it right? It does happen before the West West Memphis Three. It also happens before Rod Farrell. But Rod Farrell is another case that, even though it happened in the midst of satanic panic that was already happening, mm -hmm. just made things worse because it you were able to point at like, oh, here's this spooky kid who killed a bunch of people as opposed to just like, here's a spooky kid who's going to grow up to talk too much about horror movies. Yeah. We're a couple of spooky kids ourselves. Hey. Hello. Yeah. I nice would, to meet you. I would say Rod Farrell's a little bit more evil than spooky. Definitely but... more spooky than us. For anyway. Sure. So these spooky boys, um, <laughs> no, that's, it's terrible. They, uh, yeah, I, I would say that I think cases like this and like you were saying, uh, the case of Rod Farrell and the vampire clan, I think these kind of just added to the satanic panic itself because this shit is like like i said this shit is proven they yeah. did this shit. okay there's another episode and it's way back in the day i wish i remember what it was but it was the one that true detective is based on as well is right around this time mm -hmm. just a few years later and it also feeds the satanic panic i want to say it's episode like 16 i think it's a tale of two carls i just don't remember the oh name the, the fall river that's the one murders yes, yes. The fall river murders yeah so after he would have his followers eat the pieces of the severed breast the remains would be kept in robin's trophy box following this absolutely harrowing confession police were able to link robin and his signature red van to about six other abductions you told us we could ask questions in this episode. Is that trophy box a refrigerator? Uh, no, I think it was like this box that he made because he's he's a handyman. Yeah, a little bit too handyman. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think he because he made a chapel in his attic and he made the altar himself. And so I think the the, the trophy box is pretty likely something else that he made that looks kind of ornate maybe like just kind of very... like in snow white when the queen is like bring her her my heart in this box like yeah that kind of okay it's probably closer to something that because because he is as we'll see 
a lot of this stuff, like I said in the last episodes, he he does a lot of quote-unquote satanic shit. But even here, it sounds like, and we'll get into it in just and a second. And mind you, this is also Satan of the Bible satanic shit. Yeah. Not not modern Satanist do as thou wilt is the extent of the law as long as it doesn't infringe on other people. We're talking like hardcore rooting for the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Evil, yeah. Yeah. And I I do think that a lot of this stuff and again like I said it'll come into play in just a second, but I think this stuff is sort of meant to scare his followers. And so I think a lot of the stuff that he's doing especially with like I don't want to call them decorations cuz I feel like that's bad. I feel like you shouldn't call these decorations, but Well, it, I mean ritual accessories i get i'm yeah this is also ritual accessories like a satanic chapel a satanic altar a really cool scarf yeah uh some earrings uh (laughs) this is a lot like episode three Mm -hmm. like og uh about the narco satanicos cult Mm -hmm. where he too had an altar and a sacrifice chamber with a cauldron with body parts in it with bones with dead animals yeah a lot of it was more to scare the followers into thinking, well, if he did that to somebody else, what would he do to me for betraying? Yeah. If he did this to somebody who didn't wrong him at all, what would he do to the person that gave him up? Exactly. Yeah. So following this terrifying confession, police were able to link Robin and his van to about six other abductions. But then Tommy Cocorileas dropped a fucking bombshell on detectives because he claimed that the Chicago Rippers had been actively taking at least one woman a month for the last year and a half. That is cuckoo for Coco Relays. <laughs> 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 that's, that's horrifying. <laughs> it truly is. When cops showed Tommy a bunch of photographs of missing women... Tommy almost immediately picked out Lori Borowski. When they pointed out that Robin's van hadn't been seen anywhere near the scene of the abduction, Tommy explained that he and his brother had been the ones to kidnap the woman in their own car, a light gray colored 1977 four-door sedan. And they still have her shoes. What are they supposed to do with it? (laughs) I'm so sorry. No, she left those. She left those behind. Detectives knew that Robin was an evil man, but they never would have guessed that he and his followers had abducted, tortured, raped, and killed at least 18 women. Dang. And I don't think they would have guessed that anyone could do something so horrific. And when police asked Tommy why he went along with the grisly crimes, he responded by saying that Robin could convince you to do anything. And when he asked you to do something, you just had to do it. And whether it was because of his sociopathic personality or his supernatural connections to the dark side, which Tommy fully believed in, Tommy couldn't say for certain. He just felt compelled to follow his leader blindly. And almost immediately after detectives received Tommy's confession, they were issued search and arrest warrants for Eddie Spritzer, Andy Cocorileas, and the group's leader, Robin Gecht. Inside Robin's home, the police found the satanic chapel that Tommy described, and they confiscated the altar, some satanic literature, and Robin's trophy box, which was said to have contained at least 15 severed breasts. And a copy of Devil Went Down to Georgia on vinyl. <laughs> he just, I mean, it didn't matter if it said yeah, the devil he was into. It. That was the satanic literature. It was really <laughs> fucked up. Um, the other one was The Devil Wears Prada. Uh <laughs> 
It was a book first. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Robin was quoted as saying that I might be evil, but I'm never going to be as bad as Meryl Streep's character. <laughs> <laughs> Inside the home, they also found Robin, Eddie, and Andy, who were all arrested and held at the Pontiac Correctional Center, which is a lot like the Cadillac Correctional Center, but just not as nice. Is it just, <laughs> just where they engage the child locks and they're sitting in the back seat and they're like, you got, you got to let me out. The seatbelt is tight. I don't know. No, I just rolled down the windows. It's fine. I'll crack it. We're just going to go to the grocery store. We just got to go to the grocery store Correctional Center. <laughs> the three of them were held on $1 million bonds. Each. Each of them. In, in 1982 right yeah that's a lot that's a lot of money in today's money that's several houses oh yeah and and robin gacked like he had been bragging about denny's money but where's that denny's money now (laughs) baby um you're in the grand slammer (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yes oh Oh, That's got to be the episode title. Somebody is about to go ham on his moons over my hand. <laughs> oh, oh, my, my gosh. From the get-go, Robin denied all charges. You mean from the get-go? From the get-go. <laughs> Robin denied all charges, but secured behind bars, his followers finally felt able to share their side of the story. I like crispier hash browns, but he wouldn't let me every time we go to Denny's. (laughs) He just kept making me get home fries. He puts ketchup over everything because he pretends it's blood. (laughs) (laughs) He keeps taking my bacon because he says he needs it to make upside down crosses. Oh, man. Eddie Spritzer admitted to helping Robin with the killing of Rafael Torado, which is that that was the seemingly almost unrelated incident. Drive by shooting, right? Yeah, exactly. So while Eddie drove Robin's red van, the Ripper's leader aimed his rifle outside of the window and killed Rafael and paralyzed another man. Something that I did not know. Uh, at the time is one of the reasons that they didn't really give a fuck about it the law enforcement is because rafael torado was a drug dealer ah. so they just kind of were they didn't the reason they chalked it up to a loss is because they just thought it was a drug dealer related killing i mean that makes sense yeah it looks it would look like one especially a drive-by yeah. shoot. Yeah. yeah that's so random that's this is what i mean of, he got lucky robin gecked Robin Gecht got lucky. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He does all of these things that let him get away with it for so long. In fact, if you listen to, like, what I'm saying, like, the reason he got caught was because his followers were idiots. Yeah. And he himself did all of these small little things, like, masterfully done of, of, and I'm not, I'm not, like, it's hard to not sound like i'm excited or calling him smart or something but he did these things that prevented him from being caught easier 
and he did it almost at random and on accident like killing this guy it sounds like oh he found a drug dealer he shot him in a way that drug dealers normally get shot and he was able to get away with it because it didn't look related the real story is they were driving and he went i want to kill a black guy and then aimed out of the car and shot a puerto rican and so it's like you didn't even do it on purpose yeah how are you bumbling yourself into success he's like murder? mr magooing his way into a long crime career. yeah he's mr murd goo <laughs> gross <laughs> and so after robin knew he was able to trust eddie he directed them the same night he directed them to an area known to be a popular spot to pick up sex workers in downtown Chicago, hinting that Eddie was a part of Robin's first ritualistic murder. By this, I don't mean murder per se, because obviously he just fucking killed a guy the yeah. night before. I just mean the first murder that fits the Ripper's pattern. And probably the first murder in the chapel. Do you think he'd already built the chapel? Um, I don't think so. I mm. think that some of the things that they did, because remember, they used to have these weird, um, like orgy parties at the Briar Rabbit at the, at the Briar Rabbit, but mostly at the Rip, Rip Van, Van Winkle. Winkle, but you are correct. They did do it at the Briar Rabbit too, but those, I don't think they killed anyone at the briar rabbit i think they just did weird shit at the briar rabbit which by the way we had somebody go and stay at the briar rabbit this past week and they weren't they couldn't get the painting they asked but they couldn't get it it was already out it was, <laughs> it was, it was in somebody else's room yeah i talked to him and he he said that the entire interaction was really weird oh and yeah. then he realized that it's because they're used to people only renting by the hour yeah and yeah. so the fact that he tried to like make a reservation and stay, and stay over yeah. the night they were dude. just like what are you doing What's are you a cop you? what is that's, this that's what i mean dude when i called them to see how much a room was i went hey how much is a room and he goes for how long and i went the night and he goes what <laughs> i'm not even kidding like it was it was genuinely confusing to this person um but yeah so they they did these uh rituals at the rip van winkle where like i said some of the staff reported finding like stuff that looked like flesh or these weird like leave behinds yeah. you know and normally when people leave behind shit it's like a laptop charger but this right. one was like somebody's spine like it's crazy which wouldn't you report that? Wouldn't you be like, yo, uh, excuse me, sir. You left a spine last week when you stayed and also a cell phone. Uh, <laughs> you can pick them up or we can mail them to your forwarding address. <laughs> because you were stupid. Maybe enough that's to why they it. left a forwarding address. They're like, just send us the spines. We're, we'll be back in town <laughs> a couple weeks. So, yeah, I, I think that I think that the, the chapel inside of the home was something that kind of uh, made its way. Okay, into, so it's probably later. Yeah, yeah. Paid for it with that Denny's money. <laughs> um, All them slash browns. <laughs> slash browns. Oh my god. So this hints at Eddie's involvement in what would have been the abduction, mutilation, and killing of Linda Sutton the woman who was found behind the Briar Rabbit Motel. Which, by the way, to your point of why wouldn't they report it, they smelled death for like three days and were and just like, ah, I ain't going to say nothing. We asked them how much they fucking charged for a room and they didn't even want to <laughs> yeah, tell us. Like, mm. Yeah. 
So Eddie also admitted to a long list of other unholy acts committed by his leader. He claimed that Robin would force him to have sex with the victim's open wounds. Oh, jeez. He claimed that Robin caved in a woman's skull with a hammer and that once Robin even shot a woman in the head, chained her up, and used bowling balls to sink her body to the bottom of the Chicago River. And Eddie claims that this body has still never been found completely unrelated bowling balls are expensive (laughs) like i'm that's just such a a crazy choice yeah it's almost like you had to have like why why bowling balls because here's you work in construction you have access to bricks yes well and i'm I'm like that must have been something around the house or he got off on it being bowling balls i don't he got off on a lot of stuff i don't know if bowling balls were included in that but i also i like to imagine that at one point he got to the bowling alley and opened up his bag and just found a cinder block and went ah damn it oh god damn it i always do this uh scored the best game of his life that day by the way oh using the cinder block? just kept fucking throwing it across the room destroying the lane it I, can't roll actually he didn't even bowl a single uh frame he just went i bowled 300 and somebody went no you didn't and he hit him with the brick <laughs> Um, oh man, when Eddie's confession was nearly through, he was asked the same question as Tommy. Why did you do any of these things? And Eddie told interrogators that Robin had slowly indoctrinated him into being evil. And at a certain point, he had crossed over into the territory of no going back. And if his dedication to Robin ever wavered, Robin would blackmail him with the awful things that he had done and some unsavory photographs do you have some of those unsavory photographs i do not these were not found but here's what i think because as we talked about i think it was last episode it might have been the first episode robin was fucking his employees Mm -hmm. uh and the ones that lived at his house he had like this very sexual relationship very similar to um the relationship he had with thomas farley he was sleeping with the coco relais brothers yes and eddie spritzer and eddie spritzer yeah i think that he may have taken photographs of himself having sex with eddie spritzer and used that as like blackmail or were any of them fucking each other or could he have forced them to fuck each other and take pictures of that maybe i don't think so based on the testimony and again the testimony is something that will kind of be a little bit of a gray area i think that he kept them distant enough and this is something andrea brought forward that i looked into a little bit because you mentioned it i think he kept them distant enough so that they didn't really know that much about each other Mm. but that they that he like he was the glue that held them all together okay um <clears throat> do you think that the that their sex with robin was consensual definitely not i don't even though they are of age i think that the way that robin got them to stay there and do stuff was completely manipulative and i don't know if any of these three men i don't know what their sexual orientation is Eddie Spritzer, uh, in letters that he wrote later, which is kind of a spoiler alert, he's still alive, 
Um, Eddie Spritzer and and letters that he wrote later in a book called uh, The Serial Killer Letters, I think is what it's called. It's a very interesting book where this author writes letters to serial killers and asks them about their crimes and how they feel. Eddie uh, mentions that the only thing that he really wants now is a wife who will still love him. So he mentions only ever being attracted to women. I don't know if he's like... I don't know if he's like Robin where like he's kind of I feel like Robin might just be closeted and officially bisexual, but I think possibly closeted. Um, Or Eddie could have been straight and this was non-consensual. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't I don't think it was. And again, this is very speculative because I don't know from what I've read and from what other people have said and including people who were in the house as well it sounds like he willingly had sex but maybe the leading up to that was full-on like manipulation and coercion you know what i mean he's also really young and i think he also is has a very low iq so you know what i mean yeah he has an iq of 76 yeah so it seems like almost any sex with him would be you know like it's a gray area if an older man is coming on to you and you don't have the mental capacity to kind of like reason your way out of it he's not he's not developmentally disabled no but he does have a low enough iq where especially at a young age manipulation or grooming could be like well maybe let's not talk about how weird it is for somebody who's older to take advantage of somebody with a uh, reportedly low IQ (laughs) score (laughs) because then I have to bring you into account Scientology says you're wrong what would LRH do (laughs) other than make ketchup soup oh god y'all talking about ketchup soup that's my favorite thing from the Denny's I'm Robin Gett good to meet you oh my god (laughs) I have to reevaluate my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it I think what you're saying is 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 a little bit right in that like I don't so 76 as far as I know, I could be wrong, but 76 as far as I know is not super below average. Um average is about 90. Yeah. So and he's also mentally competent. Like he he's completely there. He's making his own decisions. He's doing stuff. And I truly believe that all of the decisions he's made, whether or not he was coerced into doing them, that he still made those choices. Mm. But I think you're right in the fact that like no matter what, whether or not he willingly had sex with this person, I think that you could very strongly make the argument that the entire reason he was there was because he was it's an abuse of power sort of groomed yeah Yeah. i think he was sort of groomed like i think robin took an interest in him early and then kept like being his friend and he's this guy's hanging out with some older dude that's like doing some cool like dark like off the grid shit and then eventually he was like come live with me and work with me i'll give you a job and access to satan did you hear about denny's i'm the fucking man (laughs) around town Hey, man, you come with me, you come to Denny's, I'll get you endless pancakes. And Fun he's fact, like, the eighth circle of hell, Denny's at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> he's the like, I'll circle- get you endless pancakes. And he's like, they do that for everyone. It's $2, dude. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say the eighth circle of hell is a pancake. <laughs> <laughs> the eighth stack of hell, please. Yeah. Thank you. Um, 
So now we get into the trials of the Chicago Rippers. Tommy Cocorileas pleaded guilty to his involvement in the murder of Lori Borowski, and for his confession, he was awarded with a slight leniency. He was sentenced to 70 years in prison, but despite lobbying from the Borowski family, he was paroled in March of 2019. Wait, he's out? He is officially out. He has been out for six months. Holy shit. Now almost seven. Yeah. How Under old? a different name, I imagine. Still same name. Wow. Okay. How old is he? Um, He's around 58 years old now. Okay. Uh, so yeah, he still same name because this guy, um, Eddie Spritzer mm-hmm. has an IQ of 76, pretty low. Eddie Spritzer described Tommy Coco Relais as being a little slow. <laughs> so Tommy Coco Relais is really not the smartest bulb in the torture bag there's also arguments that he a didn't participate in as much because he wasn't that bright but also b that he did not fully comprehend what he was doing i think that is a very very good probability i really don't think that he understood a lot of what was going on and in fact when you read some of the things that he talked about he was just like yeah they stabbed her and then the blood came out and i don't like blood and so he's just, he just sounds kind of like a kid who saw something that he should not have seen. He's Brendan Dassey. Yeah. He's a kid watching the evilest Bob Ross. He's just like, he brought out the blood and I don't like the color of blood. That's not a good mistake. That's a bad accident. Wow. Eddie Spritzer also pleaded guilty to all of the murders he was charged with in addition to several other crimes. And prior to his sentencing, his lawyer asked the jury to show Eddie some mercy because she claimed that he was immature, impressionable, and at times, idiotic. How evil do you have to be that the best offense you have is, yo, your honor, my client is dumb as fuck, all right? (laughs) I want to say he's guilty, but he is too stupid. This attempt at humanizing Eddie was met with one of the best legal burns that i have ever read in my entire life when presented with the too dumb to be responsible argument the prosecution responded with i hope you didn't come here expecting mr spritzer to be 100 normal normal people don't rape normal people don't murder i don't have to prove that he's smart because if i did i could not do it that's mic drop bam he's too dumb to puzzle as my friend would say (laughs) because one time we were in target and we saw this mom and her son and her son was like mom mom i want a puzzle and his mom just went baby you too dumb to puzzle and then just walked away (laughs) and it's horrifying and terrible but we have laughed at it for easily 20 years at this point that's amazing (laughs) holy crap Eddie was sentenced to death on March 20th, 1984, but in a strange turn of events, due to a push for ending the death sentence in Illinois, Eddie was one of the 140 of 159 death row inmates granted blanket clemency in 2003. He wasn't pardoned, but his sentence was commuted to life. So he also is still alive and living in prison. And the reasoning for Illinois showing Eddie some mercy was because because upon further testing, that's when they found out he had an IQ of 76. So the state decided that he wasn't stupid enough to be innocent, but he was apparently too stupid to die. Well, that's 
a, a debate with Stephen Avery in the Avery case as well because yeah. he has an IQ of something like 178 or something like that mm. or 78 not yeah. I was gonna say what he's 178 would be fucking a brilliant. genius no. yeah uh, 78 and then Brandon Dassey is right around there as well I just imagine Stephen Avery with the 178 IQ of just being like mm-hmm. <laughs> a wrecking yard you say <laughs> <laughs> It's a real flowers for Algernon situation. <laughs> well, 178, you're like barely functioning on the other side. Yeah. So. He, yeah. It, th- this is what I mean of just like they caught co- is Also, by the way, too stupid to die. I want that T-shirt. I want that T-shirt. <laughs> I think it's a big dog T-shirt for one. <laughs> but uh, I definitely want that on a shirt. Andy Coco Relays was tried in separate counties, two separate counties, for his heavy involvement in the Ripper murders. And in his second trial, he attempted to recant everything he had confessed, claiming that Detective Warren Wilkos had fed him information and forced a confession. Detective Wilkos adamantly denied this claim, and it came down to the to just basically who did the court believe more a former junkie who was an alleged murderer or a seasoned detective that had cracked the case and the court obviously sided with warren wilkos and andy was sentenced to death in march 1984 and was the last person to ever be put to death in the state of illinois now it is worth mentioning that for this entire story, Detective Wilkos has been our hero. But years later, he would be under fire in another case for feeding a witness misinformation in order to convince them that the defendants were guilty, although they super were not. And the two men accused of murder and rape were both found innocent and pardoned after spending 12 years in death row. And this isn't to say Andy was innocent. I really don't want to say that Andy Cucurellaeus or any of these men were innocent. But it is worth considering that the followers' involvement was limited to just helping Robin and not actually killing anyone themselves. It's not better. It's just a slightly different story. I read a bunch of stuff about team killers and it says that most of the time one person will do the final blow to retain that kind of like physical dominance. Sometimes it's different. Like with Manson... I think Manson had enough big dick energies that he didn't like need to be the one that killed them. Yeah, well I I I still maintain the idea that Manson is a con man where things got out of control. Yeah. So I don't think he wanted to kill people. It just in his mind, in his very stupid mind, had to happen. You also have to realize that when you're on acid, things that are terrible ideas sound like great ideas. May I refer to you back? To the, the desert, dessert dog. The, yeah, the dessert hot dog. <laughs> the a dessert ban- dog. A banana inside of King's Hawaiian rolls covered in Nutella and a little bit of peanut butter. You should add whipped cream to that. Yeah, it would be fucking great. That's almost a, a banana split. Exactly. Just without ice cream. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So that that sounded like a great idea to me on acid. It still sounds like a great idea yeah, to me Yeah, it's not sober. a bad idea. No, you're not making you. a great argument, I'm honestly. But what I'm saying is like these when you're on acid and that much acid and especially like I'm nowhere near the level of acid that Manson was taking. Also, they were making their own bathtub acid yeah. sometimes and that shit that's like it's like moonshine. There's no yeah. way to control it. It's like Andrea's dad's wine version of acid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody suggested to me that I make basement wine the other day. First, we have to get from, a basement. From listening to this, yes. for sure. It's, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's... So that's what I mean is, like, I from what I've read, 
and this is again we're not fucking totally experts here we're goddamn comedians um but from what i've read a lot of times in team killings uh one person will deal the final blow and i i kind of feel like their involvement was shifted around so that they could get um everyone sort of involved enough Mm -hmm. if that makes sense so that's the thing about all of their confessions by the way each of them admitted to killing at least one person but their confessions were also framed in a way that minimized each of their involvement which means that each story at times contradicts the others and because of this fact they could not be used in the case against robin himself additionally yeah they had found a bunch of awful 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 heinous shit in robin's home but it was also the home to eddie spritzer and andy coco so who's to say that they didn't just store the evidence there so that they could plan to frame their boss slash landlord all of the testimony crime scene photographs and confessions which included eddie's eddie's confession which that by itself was 78 pages long none of this stuff even made robin gecht flinch because he knew that none of it could be rightfully used against him in a court of law in fact heading into the four separate trials for the chicago rippers the only thing that the cops had on robin was a positive id from beverly washington the woman who had survived the attack in the last episode so robin gecht was only charged with the rape and attempted murder of beverly he was found guilty and sentenced to only 120 years in prison with the possibility of being paroled as soon as the year 2022 even still his followers the ones still alive anyway refused to testify against him and that brings us to the end of our series on the chicago rippers is he still alive robin gacked very much so yeah really i thought he was killed i thought he died yeah as far as i know he's still alive i can't find anything that says he's dead he's eligible for parole in 2022 and something that Paige brought up is that uh it's very likely he will be denied yeah much like leslie van houten from the manson case oh yeah she has been granted parole multiple times and it has been overturned by the governor every time if it is any indication uh tommy coco with his limited amount of involvement still involved by the way but way less so than robin he was granted parole and it was a whole fucking ordeal where yeah. like he was supposed to get it years ago and they kept pushing it back and they kept lobbying for him to stay in and he only barely made parole so there's no fucking way that robin's gonna get away with it too yeah uh this series specifically this episode is one of the darkest and roughest episodes that we've ever recorded it is some dark heinous shit yeah. it might not be on the same level as Ant Hill kids but it's Ant pretty fucking close so fucking dark it is that's i remember us finishing recording and then just like sitting and staring at the table for like 20 minutes uh, yeah at one point i was like you guys want to go get some Denny's and cry? I think I think we went out for dinner after because oh, we yeah. could not handle. Just it was honestly there. none of us wanted to be alone. Yes, oh, <laughs> it was such a horrible episode. 
uh yeah you know they say that being a true crime podcaster doesn't have its own problems but god damn it <laughs> we face so much sometimes day in and we day have out. to read about the fucking anthill kids and sometimes i have to go to family reunions and people ask me what i do for work yeah i i have the flip side of people just come up to me now and be like my mom was in a cult and i'm like nice to meet you <laughs> yeah i have that happen all the time <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. So in in addition to this being one of the roughest episodes, it's also one of the most interesting stories that I've ever heard. Uh, But in my opinion, the most interesting period of Robin's life was when he was bumming around from 1971 to 1977. This is the time period that we covered in episode one of this series. In case you need a refresher, for these six years after he stopped living with Thomas Farley, he started picking up jobs wherever he could find them and sleeping on couches wherever they were offered to him. And one of the companies that Robin found himself employed by offered him both. According to a few sources and supposedly even a few actual pay stubs, Robin was at one time working a few jobs with a well-known local company called PDM Construction, Owned by a local businessman and community volunteer, Mr. John Wayne Gacy. I think you mean Pogo the Clown. <laughs> I wish that they had worked together on like birthday parties. <laughs> I feel like that would have been a much more Hypnotist, interesting story. Hypnotist, clown. But it's I feel like, like they would have been fighting for attention. <laughs> he keeps blowing balloons into the shape of dicks. <laughs> That's and the, the balloon handcuffs. Shape. John Wayne Gacy's blowing long balloons that look like dicks and Robin's just blowing up regular balloons and drawing nipples on them. <laughs> Mommy, he keeps popping the balloons. Oh, no. Oh, God. That was dark. Because I Okay, here's the thing. Strap in, everyone, because we're entering one of the best research and possibly the most controversial speculation zone in the history of Culp Podcast. <laughs> Uh, any documentary, any podcast, any book, any article will mention in passing that Robin Gecht had a few connections to John Wayne Gacy. I want to mention, I should be clear, any of those things that are about this particular subject, not just yeah. any article. Like, so the weather is going to be nice. Robin Gecht worked for John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> I was listening to that new Dolly Parton podcast and she was like, y'all, I just need you to know about Robin Gecht. <laughs> Yeah, they generally, what they'll mention is that he worked for Gacy or how when Robin was found guilty, he wrote about Gacy's biggest mistake, which in his mind was keeping the bodies inside of the house. Not killing people. Keeping the bodies was his biggest mistake. To be fair, it's it's an aroma nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the second biggest mistake, he says, was his horrible clown makeup, so... What I'm, but here's the thing. What I'm speculating to you is that not only did Robin Gecht work for John Wayne Gacy, but I believe that he may have been one of the alleged accomplices in the John Wayne Gacy murders. What? Firstly, I know that we've done the show a couple times. Yes. And also, you guys are both big fans of true crime. Agreed. What do you know about the accomplice theory? For John Wayne Gacy. So what I have always heard of John Wayne Gacy is that there was always an accomplice, but there were multiple accomplices Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it was always one of the older boys. So he would basically like 
groom young boys, molest them, and then keep like one alive. And as that one kind of grew up a little bit, that would become the accomplice. And then eventually they would either move on or he would kill them. Yeah. Peter Pan rules. basically. Yes. A Mm -hmm. lot of the accomplices, I believe, are dead. Yeah. Well, and part of the proof for it is that some of the boys went missing when John Wayne Gacy was out of town. Yes. Exactly. So this is, you guys are fucking right on the money. Criminal defense attorneys, prosecutors, and investigators, not all of them, but a lot of them, have stated that there is, quote, overwhelming evidence that Gacy worked with an accomplice or multiple accomplices, end quote. In at least three cases, Andre is talking about, investigators were able to prove, not speculate, prove that Gacy was out of the state when the victims had to have been taken. And Jeffrey Rignall, a victim of Gacy who survived the attack, was adamant that a young man with brown hair watched his abuse. And at one point, the young man saw Jeffrey was awake and forced pills down his throat to re-drug him back to sleep. Uh, our boy Robin Geck, actually not our boy. I don't like. I don't want to claim this boy. That's a bad boy. Our he, subject. Our subject, Robin Geck closely resembled shaggy from scooby-doo just a skinny young looking white dude with brown hair even though he was older he always he's just got like a young figure to him you know yeah he looks much younger than his actual age and he's short and yeah yeah and for some reason people equate height with age which i've always hated because people see me and be like oh i thought you were older because you're so tall and i'm like what the fuck do you think i'm a tree is that how this works it's how i've passed for being in my early 20s for the last decade (laughs) (laughs) that's fair uh do you know if you cut armando open you can count the age by the layers of fat that you see (laughs) it's like a tostada (laughs) (laughs) exactly It's the Mexican pizza of belly rings. So the way that my body works is the outer layer is skin, the inner layer is fat, and then we we do a small layer of guacamajito sauce. (laughs) And chorizo. Um, (laughs) Then an authentic Parisian crepe. Thank you. (laughs) Taco Town. You're welcome. Taco Town. Uh, And then you carry me in a tote bag. Yes. So here's a timeline. In 1969... Uh, at the age of 16, it's, I said, uh, because it's hard for me to hear the word 69 and not go, Hey, nice. But this is decidedly not, not nice. Not nice. In 1969, nice. at the age of 16, <laughs> Robin moves in with Thomas Farley. In 1971, at the age of 18, Robin moves out. In 1975, Robin marries Rosemary, Rosemary Gecht. But they don't live together, and Robin is still living a nomadic lifestyle. In 1977, Robin and Rosemary officially move in together. And in 1981, Linda Sutton is murdered. Now, 1976 through 1978 were known as Gacy's cruising years, where he committed most of his murders. Not all of his murders, a majority of his murders. During the cruising years, Robin's whereabouts cannot be confirmed. If he was working with Gacy, then it also stands to reason that he may have been one of the young men who lived with him inside of his house. Because, hey, Robin was already used to living with an older gay lover. 
I guess it's not important that he's gay, but uh, he had already been living with Thomas Farley, who was an older man who kind of groomed him into what he was going to be. And part of the deal of living with him was that he had to sleep with him. And so this situation with Gacy, uh, as most true crimes undoubtedly, true crime fans undoubtedly know, he was sleeping with the boys that lived there, would probably be pretty goddamn familiar to Robin Gacht. Well... And also because Robin looks so much younger than his age, oh yeah, he would appeal to Gacy's pedophilic tendencies. Exactly. Oh, I was just gonna say it's something that he carries on even after, because yeah. that's what he ends up doing in his own home. Exactly. Robin's construction company R and R Electrical hired young men and helped Robin keep a businessman exterior. And Robin's plans for expansion would basically look like a clone of gacy's pdm construction and i get that this is like this part is purely speculation but i feel like pdm construction r&r electrical it just seems you know they're very like just letters and then the thing i guess that that could just be all construction companies i don't know how they name them that might just be part of the deal but it just their business models the fact that like you said he has the boy sleeping over because uh, he offers his own employees a place to live while they worked and this severed ties to their outside lives and made them more dependent on him and he did you know he did the exact same thing with the 20 year old eddie uh, spritzer and the teenage coco relais brothers so he is the bob ross of these murders <laughs> yeah he's plagiarizing his an mentor. older mentor's <laughs> entire deal and improving upon it and perfecting it yeah the only thing that i don't see is a a, a very gentle fro i mean he did have that mop of brown hair he yeah. yeah he's got a creepy mustache uh as most true crime fans know most serial killers have a ramping up phase where they allow themselves small doses of violence and learn their processes this is where we kind of see again not an expert on this but usually the first few murders are pretty sloppy as they try and figure out their technique the first one's usually an accident yeah Robin's first murder, at least the first confirmed murder that they had, was when he shot a dude out of the window of his car. I don't think that was first, but that's just me. I also really don't think it's first, especially if you follow this timeline. Also, his first ritualistic murder was Linda Sutton, who was drugged, handcuffed, uh, they, they cut the breasts off completely and they dumped her in a different location. It's all this methodical shit from a guy who's not the smartest dude. Like he does a lot of these things on accident, just kind of finding his way into it. Weird question. Do you think he's removing the breasts to make them look more like little boys? Oh, like, I, I know this is a very dark conversation, but just if... Let's say if he lived with Gacy and was an accomplice, they were predominantly killing adolescent boys. What's the difference between an adolescent boy and a woman? I mean, there are many, but breasts are a very distinct one. So a lot of um, psychologists have, just like Robin himself, swung both ways yeah. uh, on um, figuring out what's up with him. But what they're what from what i've read um it seems like most people 
think one of two things that either a his obsession with breasts comes from the fact that he never had uh, a connection to any kind of mother figure during his formative years right in fact it wasn't until he was a little bit older that he moved in with his grandparents um and that could be one of the things it stems from because breasts are one of the most like maternal objects and, and I do, again, want to stress, I know anyone can have breasts, but in the context of this, breasts being a stereotypical, yes, what we would think of as a stereotypical feminine feature, whether that's correct or not. Yes. But yeah. That's what I, that's what I mean is, um, also, yeah, every, anyone can have breasts. I currently have breasts too. Right. So, uh, but I don't like, I don't want them. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so some people say that the fact that he was so obsessed with, like you were saying, uh, anyone can have breasts, but he would cut off, um, I guess it would be cis- cisgendered women's breasts. Yeah. People who identified as women. Women, yes. Uh, he would cut off their breasts or try to cut around their breasts. And sometimes with his lovers, he would ask them to cut off their nipples so he could, <gasps> quote unquote, see how they worked. I don't know if he got anyone to agree, but that's one of the things that he wanted to do. Yeah, that's one of the theories. The other theory is that, and this one is a little bit more, I guess, like kind of outdated and kind of archaic, but it could be this too, because he struggles with his sexuality a lot, Mm -hmm. that uh, the violence of his crimes... Again, this is not my words. Psychologists think that because he was suppressing his um, homosexuality, that uh, he was attacking a symbol of femininity, I guess. Heteronormativity. Yeah. Where women become the enemy because they are the thing that he, as far as society believes, should be with, but it's not what he wants. Yeah. I... I don't know which way to go. Robin's own, if you want to know his own actual yeah, uh, message it, from what he he's written in letters. If he gave a reason, I'm curious. He said that everyone, every man in his family since his great-grandfather has had a woman with big old titties. That is what he says. He goes, uh, my great-grandmother had 39 double Ds. Um, As someone who wears very close to that size... R.I.P. His grandmother's back. <laughs> Yikes. Shit hurts. <laughs> I, I gran- wear a larger size than that. His great grandmother and, and uh, Flavor Flav have the same back pains. <laughs> <laughs> For real though, like it's one of those things where, as when I was younger, I was like, I'd never get a reduction. Now I'm just like, I am tired of carrying these shits around. Yeah, boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being on board with You're that. Welcome. Um, so he said that his great grandmother had some big old titties and then, uh, his grandmother tickled titties and then his mama, some big gazongazongs. So he says that his obsession with breasts also, he says this while denying the fact that he did any of this stuff, but he does claim to have an obsession with breasts and it's, it stems from every woman in his family having some tickle titties. So alternate theory. Mm hmm. Is it possible that he does not view these women as people and only as parts? I think he views everyone as parts. As parts. So that he's taking the pieces that sexually excite him devoid of the person attached to them because he has no feeling or care for the person attached to these parts. 
Yeah, I I've been so I've been listening to a lot of different things about like the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath and all that right. stuff because it, it's really interesting to me. Um, but one of the biggest markers of psychopaths is that they don't recognize that other human beings have internal selves or lives mm -hmm. or like any sort of agency. So they see all people just pretty much just as objects that yeah. they can utilize for their own gain and pleasure, yeah. but they cannot recognize the humanity in other people. Yeah. So that, that kind of checks out. That makes sense for his crazy boob answer mm -hmm. where he's not, he doesn't necessarily seem to attach any personhood to these women either. He's just, this is a trait all of these women had yeah he's also he himself as a person is not even i would say is not even a human um he one of his defining characteristics is that every single person that he talked to would describe a different person interesting so like he's not even there is no like uniform robin geck he's there, a chameleon yeah he so he's is full christian bale and psycho <laughs> yes or american, american psycho. psycho or regular christian bale where there is no christian bale just different characters i mean predominantly batman and various others how dare you <laughs> <laughs> batman where did you come from <laughs> where is denny's <laughs> <laughs> um where are they what the titties <laughs> the hash browns i can't do it my voice is gonna not be able to do that uh it's just a, for me it's just a serious charles manson voice <laughs> um you were merely born near the eggs over my hammy i <laughs> ate it all I didn't see it, norms until i was a grown man and by then it was nothing but better than denny's Denny's, I am your asshole's reckoning. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what will break first, your asshole or your spirit? <laughs> Denny's, come to us after the bar closes. <laughs> oh, I love Bane voice. It's Denny's, where you can be drunk or a prom student. I don't know. Prom. Prom. Somebody, a student who went to prom is what I, I meant I to told say. you my sister used to dress up to go to norms. They'd put on like their old prom dresses and do norms in your forms. That's so That's funny. adorable That's as great. fuck. Your sister's amazing. Getting back to this. Right. Uh... So normally there's like a ramping up period, but we see that first murder, at least the first ritualistic murder anyway, he's got it down pat. Like yeah. he fucking knows exactly what he's doing there. there It's just methodical and it doesn't even switch up. And it's almost like he planned out every single aspect of it perfectly, including doing the murder before to see if his accomplice was worthy of helping him out. Here's the other thing. I would not be surprised to find that there are additional women in between his time with Gacy and when he gains his accomplice. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If There's he's, definitely women in between. If he's helping Gacy, I, it's, I'm willing to bet that... Well, first of all, I'm willing to bet that there's more victims that none of the Rippers owned up to. Yes. Where they were just like, oh, that's the ones you know about? Yeah, that's it. That's all of them. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I feel like there was A, more, and I feel like B, if he is an accomplice to Gacy, I feel like he's probably 
taking this skills and figuring out his shit. Yeah, like there's some practice ones yeah. before he gains his some, crew. Some real dark apprentice shit. So there was also this thing of like the way that Gacy got people was very similar to the methods that Robin Gecht used. Like Gacy was very famous, used a fake magic trick to get handcuffs on his victims before drugging them and abusing them. And Robin used the exact same type of handcuffs to bind his victims before he drugged them and abused them as well. And just like Gacy, Robin kept body parts from his victims inside of his home, not the entire bodies mind you because that is what robin claimed to be gacy's biggest mistake it's because he has an attic and he doesn't have a crawl space exactly um i mean a fucking he's a carpenter he could have built himself a crawl space yeah, I guess I, maybe i don't know how crawl spaces work i think you got to build the they're, crawl space first yeah they're under the foundation of the house they so. can either be under or if you don't have a physical attic they can be above mm -hmm. and it's just between the roof and your actual ceilings mm. Gotcha. So much fiberglass. Yeah. So, as we've covered, it's very likely that Gacy had one or multiple accomplices. And if one of these accomplices was Robin, he could have learned how useful they are for committing murder. And because whether or not Robin and Gacy worked together, they both used accomplices in the exact same way. That's... That's really like the underline to all of this stuff is that he, much like Bob Ross, took his uh, mentor's stuff or, or, or method rather and then cut out the fat and added what he thought was the things that his, his uh, boss was missing. But you can see like when I describe it, I hope that it sounds almost exactly the same. Everything that he does, every little thing is is just so similar from the method to the way he got people to the accomplices. But I think he always, if, if he was an accomplice, there's definitely, I don't want to say a difference in the reasons for why they killed because they both seem like process killers where the process is what's really the most important. But they also are product killers because they both kept bodies or body parts. Yes. So that's what I'm saying is they're very similar in that way. But I think for Gacy, it was all about the game. Mm. of like because gacy let dudes go sometimes because he yeah. just like lost interest but robin the only time that two people one one woman got away supposedly right. um but he he picked somebody that no one would have ever believed mm -hmm. and the second woman beverly washington he thought she was he just thought she was dead yeah so he he didn't leave her or, or leave things behind he just figured that she had already passed out and died yeah and she didn't so he i think he thought gacy was kind of stupid for doing things the way that he did them or like when uh if he was the accomplice that uh rignall saw the guy who saw who survived gacy um it could have been robin just being like god damn it gacy don't fucking finish your jobs and re-drugging him yeah so that brings us to the end of our speculation zone boop, boop, boop. Uh, yeah, what do you guys think? I, I buy into this theory. I think it, it holds water. I awesome. think, yeah, I think there's a lot of really strong evidence because, like, he his first killing, quote-unquote, is way too sophisticated to be a, a first true killing. first killing. And again, yeah, we're saying first ritualistic killing because, again, on the record, 
apparently his first killing was supposed to be um technically the the murder of uh rafael terrado or torado i don't know how to pronounce it but uh yeah that was the first one but on the same night linda sutton so um oh i think that there are a few gacy victims that have never been identified mm mm-hmm and there are also there's some pretty strong evidence that at some point Gacy ran out of crawl space room and started throwing people in a nearby river. And some of those victims were recovered and some weren't. And there's speculation that there are a lot more Gacy victims. And I wonder if Robin was involved, if maybe when Gacy was away, maybe he was already experimenting with harming women or experimenting with doing these things himself yeah it's very possible also and this okay this one is is classic hearsay and you cannot you have to take it sort of with a grain of salt but robin gex one of his uh cellmates reportedly said unprompted by the way this was not something that he was trying to do to get more time but he apparently ratted out robin for admitting to both killing the women to him because like i said he except for police officers he brags about the shit all the time because he's super proud of the fucked up shit that he did because it gives him credit among these other people also when you're in prison you just want to be the scariest motherfucker there so people don't fuck with you and they're like you know so he's trying to be a little bit scarier but he also apparently admitted to not only killing these women but several women before and before that killing several different boys specifically boys yeah i uh i listened to a talk uh weird thing i was in a high school painting the room and i listened to a talk uh by one of the lead investigators that that un- that did the worked the crime scene of John Wayne Gacy and he was the one that was saying that they didn't ident- they weren't even able to identify all of the bodies and that they there were several bodies that they couldn't even find of people that they suspected Gacy had taken or yeah. that had ties to Gacy so that's a pretty well known fact yeah but it was it was a weird it was a very interesting talk he was a, he was a very interesting dude but sure uh and Normally when we do episodes like this, we try and share one thing that's kind of like cheers people up a little bit. Um, so one of the other things, before we end this, one of the other things that police found out about Robin Gecht was that he was absolutely obsessed with singer-songwriter Elvis Presley. <laughs> okay. I've yeah. been to Graceland. <laughs> Same. Apparently, he collected Elvis memorabilia like photos, dinner plates, mugs, records, signed pictures, posters, action figures, everything that he could get his hands on that was Elvis Presley related. I wonder related. what he liked about Elvis so much. Didn't have boobs. I mean... Until the end. Yeah. Okay. And then oh he had several God. boobs. God. He was like a dog with... <laughs> oh my god fun fact elvis had eight nipples <laughs> oh my dog i he, i just like to i just like to imagine he sexually caresses the elvis action figure and goes oh elvis you ain't nothing but a hound dog <laughs> mm, barking all the time so in fact he the biggest rule in his house the first one was never go in the attic the second rule 
was never touch my Elvis Presley memorabilia. Amazing. And apparently with a couple of kids running around the house, uh, this rule got broken quite a few times. (laughs) And so eventually... He had to keep it out of reach by putting his full Elvis Presley display in the attic next to his satanic chapel. Absolutely love it. So that means that inside of the attic, he has this terrible. So just imagine being the cops breaking down, seeing the attic and just being like, oh, my God, what a terrible. Cr- Is that Elvis fucking Presley? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> or. Quick speculation zone, and I have nothing to back this up. Is Elvis Presley the devil? I have no. <laughs> what? If he is. Maybe it was part of the satanic chapel. If he is, he's the devil in disguise. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that officially, finally does bring us to the end of our series on the Chicago Rippers. Damn, Daniel. <laughs> a lot. Back at it again with the red van. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I don't know if this is any indication, but God is dead for sure. Uh, oh, man. Nah, people are just assholes. People are terrible. That's and I what don't... you get when you have free will. <laughs> you get Elvis loving murderers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I hope he's, he I dies like on a toilet. he's not the only Elvis loving murderer. Everyone loves Elvis. Yeah, okay. That's you fair. can't not love Elvis. Two people who loved Elvis the most. Three people who loved Elvis the most. One, everybody. Two, Quentin Tarantino. Three, peanut butter salesman. Because he always <laughs> ate that fried bologna yeah, peanut can, butter sandwich. If you visit his house, you can order one. Really? Yeah. No. When we are when we are in Tennessee, mm-hmm. we have like a checklist of things to do. That is a hundred percent one of them. Oh, we are going there. I am doing that, and I am going to take the fattest shit on that toilet. Also. Dollywood. I am going to die. <gasps> I want to go to Dollywood. Toilet. I want to go to Dollywood so bad. Dude, I'm so fucking down. Yeah. Also, we can stay with my aunt and uncle. They're cool with it. Hell yeah. In Memphis. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So, how are you guys feeling after this atrocity? I feel like I need to go to Dollywood. <laughs> <laughs> We're just staring at the table, being like, you guys want to go to Denny's? Never mind. Not Denny's. Never, Never Denny's. Never Denny's again. <laughs> Norms forever. Andrea's just staring off into the distance. Elvis Presley slightly playing in the background. You know what? This explains so much. This is why Denny's had that grilled cheese sandwich with the mozzarella sticks in it. Because they are in league with the devil. What? <laughs> Did you not know about this? No. Wait, what? What the fuck? Have you guys never been to a Denny's? I've been to a Denny's. I You've didn't know they made so a grilled cheese with mozzarella sticks. I feel like they stole the idea off the drunkest person at a Denny's. <laughs> That's basically what <laughs> So for a long ass time... Denny's had what was called the 2468 menu. For oh, yeah. Some reason, they still have it, I think. I thought so, but this sandwich is no longer on it. But it used to be like $6 or something like that. And it's just a regular grilled cheese that just has like four mozzarella sticks in it. And it's the grossest thing on the face of the Yeah, earth. it sounds like a crime. But if you're a drunk person, you're just like, Dude, yeah. I want some fucking mozzarella sticks. Because right you should just go to Fat Sal's where they put mozzarella sticks in their sandwiches. Too. I have never been to Fat Sal's. It's and so I good. Go. It's so good. It's going to kill you. Yeah. It's so good. It's a restaurant you can only eat at like twice in your life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was. I, I have eaten there a total, I think, of four times in my lifetime. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's like 
you would you andrea personally so andrea and i will go to restaurants and we will order like a regular burger and regular french fries and she like afterwards will just be like that was so greasy for me i feel like i'm gonna be sick Mm -hmm. and so i think about sometimes the places like fat sal's and just her reaction just like walking in the joint and being like i'm ill yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can't they even also, be inside. They have a milkshake that's a s'mores milkshake that has like graham cracker, marshmallow, ice cream, and chocolate, and it's the best milkshake in the world. This is how I die. It's so good. They also um, it's sponsor so, us, Fat Sal's, because they're only do. in L.A. There's like just please two of do. them total. Interesting fact: uh, even the water has 472 calories. <laughs> Elvis wouldn't last a fucking day in our time. Oh my god! Yeah. He, he would get to Sonic and just be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty fucking good. A heart attack. Wait, I, don't, I can't oh, do it. Oh, the dump of death. Oh, my gosh. All right, y'all. So this one uh, has been a great series. I've thoroughly enjoyed doing it. I cannot wait for us to debut our next live show, which is going to be at the 2020 Panic, Panic Fest. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, We couldn't do this show without all of you guys who listen. All of anyone who listens. You guys are... Y'all are fucking fantastic. But this episode in particular, as are all episodes, are sponsored by our Patreon donors. Thank you. Yes. We love you. We have a Patreon. You can sign up on patreon.com slash cultpodcast. And uh, one of the rewards that you get at every single level is a shout out on the show. So uh, this episode in particular is sponsored by uh, the first one is Cat Delopian Latte, Delopian Latte Milani. Oh, she's getting engaged or she is engaged. Yeah. They just got engaged like a couple days ago. Cat Delopian Latte Milani. Um, Her ring is gorgeous. <laughs> they got engaged in a pumpkin patch. Oh, <laughs> That's why that's it was very cute. <laughs> gotcha. Congrats to her and Mel. Yeah, congratulations. Yay. Congrats, you guys. It was really sweet. Indeed, indeed. Uh, this is also sponsored by Celtic Swan. Ooh. Which, to me, all I think of when I think of Celtic Swans is that scene in Hot Fuzz with a swan. <laughs> Any luck finding them swans, then? Celtic Swan, to me, sounds like the name of Andrea's dad's toilet wine. <laughs> Celtic Swan, to me, sounds like an Irish reboot of Black Swan, <laughs> where it's only Irish dancing. <laughs> I'm good, like, just, like, just drunk pub dudes dancing <laughs> i just want to imagine just the the rumbling like, about mila kunis and how hot she the is. scene of just somebody really depressed staring at themselves in the mirror and then just a hard cut to a river dance yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. michael flatley like nah. <laughs> amazing uh my shout out for today goes to capri like the pants or the drink delicious so really if you own capris shouts out to this person yeah because if it floods your pants are dry and if you're thirsty shaka bra a capri no thank you or the i'm sticking with celtic swan (laughs) made in only the fanciest toilets that wisconsin has to offer it could also be the island of capri that i have i have been to it is gorgeous or a capri sea salad Caprese salad. Damn it. Aren't you Italian? (laughs) 
That's like at my wedding when Jake was like, don't you talk into microphones all the time? And I was just like, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> you know, they say if you drink enough Celtic Swan, it'll give you the courage to wear those ca- pair of capris. <laughs> oh. You keep that in mind, Cat Maloney. <laughs> to your wedding capris? Wedding capris are all the rage. You do you, man. You do you. Yeah. So like I said, uh, our Patreon is patreon.com slash cult podcast. You can go there for just $5 a month. You get access to our bonus content, our extra show, The Speculation Zone, um, which we've got some fun stuff coming up for you guys now that we're back on normal schedule. Yay. And you get a shout out on the show on the normal feed. Bow, 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 bow. There's also a bunch bow, of bow. other uh, fun tiers. Sorry to cut you off. Um, <laughs> there's a bunch of other fun tiers that we have, so you can go check those out too. Uh, for me, I'm going to say... Hmm. If you could invent the most evil Denny's entree or breakfast dish, what would it be? Uh, and I want you to think of a title and then I want you to draw the image that they would put in the menu for me. All right. Here's how this is going to go down. Okay. Ham and cheese omelet. But then inside the omelet are four mozzarella sticks. <laughs> That actually sounds kind of good. Yeah, I kind of like it. And we're going to call it the devil's pocket. Uh, (laughs) Marinara sauce on top. So I have a variation on a ham and cheese sandwich. It's called a stab and bleed sandwich. And it is the most evil thing you can ever order. Um, So, yeah, if you want to send that to me or uh, I don't know, man. The craziest person that you can find that's obsessed with Elvis Presley, you can go ahead and send that to at Mondo Does Stuff on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find my show dates at MondoDoesStuff.com. If you want to send me a list of your favorite hypnotists that are not murderers. There are none. <laughs> All hypnotists are murderers. We're looking at you, David Copperfield. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Where did you bury the bodies? In the copper field. <gasps> yeah, he definitely sounds like he could make a body disappear. Uh, <laughs> he did it with a space shuttle. <laughs> if you want to send those to me, send them to me on all the things at Sundress Comic. If you want to check out my art, you should follow me on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta or go to my website, AndreaGazetta.com. Right now, I'm running a Christmas special on commissions. So if you are like, oh, I want some of your art. I want a pet portrait. I want to get a picture of my baby for my mom or whatever. Send it to me. I have kind of a deal going on. So DM me if you want a custom commission. I also have some prints for sale in the shop. Just there's cool shit. Check it out. Yeah. Also, you know, the thing they don't say about when uh, David Copperfield made that uh, space shuttle disappear is that there was 20 dead bodies <laughs> on board. But they were all floating. That's <laughs> fine. Um, I, uh, if, if you want to see me do comedy on the 5th, I'm battling um, Tom Whalen for Roast Battle. Nice. And then on the 9th, I will be doing comedy out in San Bernardino. I will post those dates up. Or actually, I think it's Ontario, not San Bernardino. Sort of noise. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's a is good it a, show. Is it another roast battle thing? No, it's just a regular show. Mm. So, And there's tickets already available online. So I'll post those both on my Facebook feed and Instagram if you follow and Twitter if you follow any of those. And then also, if you want to send me 
something that looks like just a regular cardboard box, but then it has four mozzarella sticks in it. <laughs> yes, God do it. Then we can be best friends. I love mozzarella sticks. If you don't shut up, I'm sending you to the Grand Slammer. All right. <laughs> Where... <laughs> <laughs> Where the bars are just really big mozzarella sticks. <laughs> Can eat your way out. <laughs> Be like, how'd you get out so soon? I have stamina. Well, you'll get out, but you won't get very far because you're going to stomachache immediately. Excuse me. I have to use the bathroom. And they're like. The toilet's just marinara sauce. No, it's no. full of wine. <laughs> Hey, if you like our show, um, oh, by the way, you can follow Paige on Twitter at? At Paige Wesley or on Instagram at Rampage Wesley. Thank you. Uh, you can also find our show on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or at Colt Podcast Show on Twitter. You can also send us an email to coltpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or you can send us mozzarella sticks to yes. 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like, like the, the Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. I'm just thinking about somebody shipping us mozzarella sticks and some kind of like customs officer opening them up and being like, what kind of fucked up cigars are these? <laughs> Smoke them. It'll make them taste better. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, if you want to learn more about the show or you want to see our newly revamped website uh, that I spent a couple days doing, which includes some of the fan favorite episodes for you to start the show with. So if you're ever trying to convince somebody uh, to start the show and uh, you don't know where to start, head over to the website. It is coltpodcastshow.com. And tell your friends about us because we want to make more friends. Yeah. Tweet about us. uh, Post about us on Instagram. Anytime you post any kind of fan art or anything like that, uh, we love sharing it. We love spreading it. Join the Facebook group. You can find a link to the Facebook group on cultpodcastshow.com all the way down at the bottom of the page. Um, And in addition, you know, if you on on that Reddit, if you on different Facebook groups, if somebody seems like they might like the show... Just tell them. We really don't put any money into advertising. And uh, we've done it all through word of mouth. And you guys have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, feel free to tag us in any things about us. And you could even use uh, the hashtag DDTKA. Don't drink the, the Kool-Aid. Uh, also, if you're in the greater Kansas City, Missouri area, come see us at Panic Fest. It's like the most fun. It's yeah. really great. It's so much fun. It's going to be awesome. I believe we sold it out last year. We did sell out last year. Um, it was standing room only. Yep. Uh, this year, I highly recommend if definitely come see us, but also the rest of Panic Fest is super fun. Oh, it's yeah. Very if you cool. want to make like, a, a weekend time. out of it, highly recommend. We had a blast. Absolute blast. Uh, yeah. I think that's, I think that's all for me. All right, then uh, I'm going to say don't drink what's inside a mozzarella stick because it might burn you. (laughs) And don't drink a Kool-Aid. Bye.